1: Hi, I'm Zach Glazer.
2: And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 364 of the Lawyer's Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, I'm talking with author David Bradford about a new way to approach relationships and feedback.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned and we'll tell you more about them later on. So Stephanie, you just got back from Connecticut facilitating an annual retreat for one of the lawyers that we know. Let's just say I don't know what that is. What what would that be? What what were you doing?
2: Good question. It's super fun because I have lots of flexibility to really ask the firm owner, what are your goals and what are you trying to get out of this? And so in this particular instance, we broke it up. It was two days. And the first day I spent with the leadership team and we did annual planning and quarterly planning for the firm just as a leadership team. And then we we had it set up so that the second day we brought the rest of the firm in. So everybody who works at the firm came in and we did a little bit more than a half day, like it went nine to three and mm-hmm. really brought the rest of the team on board. So shared with them what we had scoped out the day before as a leadership team, got that alignment because so the leadership team really focuses on, okay, where are we as a firm right now? What's going well? Where are the opportunities? We then take a look at where do we want to be? What are we trying to build, both in the long-term and short-term? So in this case, we planned out 2022 goals and metrics that, and projects that we wanted to work on this year. From there, we then said, what do we need to focus on first in Q1? And so then we scoped out the Q1 priorities. That was the bulk of day one with the leadership team. And so then day two was, now let's get that alignment that we need with the rest of the team. And so mm-hmm. we brought them in on that, shared some of those ideas with them, got them engaged, asking questions, brainstorming around how do, how do we make this a reality? There's just bonding that happens, quite frankly. And, and part of what they love is, yeah, like just the idea yeah. of coming together and being able to ask questions, being able to hear what's coming next, trying to, my goal is to try to make sure everyone in the room from the, the receptionist to whoever that they understand how their role is connected with that larger vision. Like, okay, this is how this year I can do my job differently to make a difference.
1: This sounds like what we do, uh, lawyers. This is you know you guys do a leadership retreat, and then for us, actually, by the time this episode comes out, we will have done it. But for us, we we go on an annual retreat with all of our people, and that's when we kind of download the vision and we make sure you guys make sure that I'm on board with, with all the stuff and know what's going on. And so that is part of making that connection of putting, you know, right, butt, right seat, everybody having buy-in to this company.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's so many, whatever visuals I could give, but it's the idea of everyone rowing in the same direction Mm -hmm. and it can sound expensive. Like, I mean, yes, by the time this episode airs, we will have done this. But basically, in a few days, we're bringing our entire lawyerist team together. We picked Florida because let's face it, it's January and we need it to get you Northerners out of the cold. Most
1: of us live in the cold. Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, And I wasn't quite ready to go to another country yet. I did look at some Caribbean locations just for fun. But well, I don't know, it's still covid, still a things, you know. Right, yeah. There's a there's a lot going on around traveling to other countries right now, so we're like, okay, let's pick a Florida fun location and we're going to get the team together and partly just Yes, is it expensive? Yes, there's going to be cost associated with flying the whole team to Florida and putting everybody up for a couple of days. There's also like time of being away, right? Like we're mm-hmm. essentially shutting the business down for a couple of days in a way because we're all going to be together doing this other thing. So for the lawyers listening, you're thinking, "Oh my God, how many billable hours is that?" Because that's how you guys think. <laughs> but here's what I'm here's what I'm here to tell you: it is worth it, right? Like it's worth it for the team. The firm that I did this retreat for this week, they asked the team members. They were very sweet and they sent me a wall of praise this morning. And they were just like, so they had everyone on the team kind of write to me, which was lovely. But the stuff they were saying, you can tell, like, they were like, I feel heard. I felt like I'm a part of Mm -hmm. this team. I understand what's happening. I was able to establish relationships with other people on the team and the owners. I mean, everything, like, it sounds like a little bit of a kumbaya session and it sometimes is, but it's in an authentic way. We didn't do any trust falls. You know, we didn't do anything crazy, but we had a good time. We broke bread together. And more importantly, the owners of the firm were able to convey what they're trying to do as a business and get that buy-in of this is what it means to be client-centered. This is how we can treat, and this is how we can talk about our firm. One of the exercises we did yesterday was for everybody on the team, how do you answer the question, what do you do? Because we wanted to get more referrals from people that on the team, right? The the team members Mm -hmm. are a great source of, but guess what? If your paralegal doesn't know how to answer that question, you know, if they're just going to the neighborhood party saying, oh yeah, I work at a firm or I'm a paralegal, like that might not lead to a call. Mm -hmm. And they got excited about how they could help The business by talking about what they do and how do they talk about what they do and feel comfortable? And they were worried, like, well, can I am I going to break solicitation rules? And so, Mm -hmm. right, like let's dig up like this is the part where we get to address those fears and talk about those anxieties and all the things. That's what that's what makes it a great day is you're just coming together in a room, getting it all out, and honestly having a facilitator there, having that outside voice is really important because it gives you that other person who can ask the questions, who can press. You know, there were times where some stuff came up and I was like, oh yeah, let's dive into that. So I think that you need that element in there too.
1: Right, right. Well, and you know, we've been talking a lot in these episodes lately about creating goals for our, our company. This is making those goals happen. This is connecting your people to those goals. And I and I think that's that's the next step, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. So it is a service that we provide here at Lawyerist. I mean, little shameless plug here. Um, I mean, it's honestly like work that I love doing. So I just get so energized being with people doing this work for our lawyers in our paid coaching program lab. We facilitate this kind of work for them virtually, um, Mm -hmm. but they also sometimes have us come and do extra work with, with their firm. So you don't have to be a part of Lab, though, for us to come and facilitate these days for you. This is something new that we're offering this year. So if you're thinking, gosh, that might be great for me to get my team together at some point and do some of this work or get my leadership team together first so that you really have a plan, let's talk. Reach out to me at Stephanie Lawyerist.com, and we can have a conversation and see what it might look like for your business.
1: Well, and that doesn't have to be right at the, at the beginning of the year. You know, you can kind of do it whenever.
2: Yeah, there's so. no time like the present. Just do it right. when you're ready to do it.
1: <laughs> well, so so now we have Stephanie's conversation with David.
3: Hello, this is David Bradford. I'm the author of Connect, Building Exceptional Relationships with Family, Friends, and Colleagues. And that uh, book is based on a uh, most popular course at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. 85% of the MBAs sign up for it, and uh, it's not an easy course demanding course. And they say uh, it's transformational, life-changing. And uh, Carol Robin and I decide we want to do a book and pass on, hopefully, uh, some of the things that go on in the course so that the readers can get benefits as well. So I'm glad to be with you. And I think this has special relevance to lawyers. So, Stephanie, I'm hoping we can talk about that.
2: Yeah. Thanks, David, for joining me today. I mean, the idea that you have a course called interpersonal dynamics, right? That's what the course is.
3: That's a formal title. The students call it touchy-feely.
2: I love it. Touchy-feely. I mean, we need this course in law school too, I think.
3: (laughs) Well, actually it's been taught in uh, some law schools Yeah. uh, for what you're talking about.
2: I know. I wish I had taken it, but the cool thing for our listeners is you've taken what you teach in the class and you've put it in this book titled Connect And so now you've made it available to everyone, which I love. I enjoyed reading it and I want to dig in. Yeah, touchy-feely. So you say in the book, interpersonal skills are fundamental to your professional success. I mean, I'm just curious, like, what does that look like for you?
3: Well, we do business with people and we build relationships that are more powerful than the organization structure. And if you have a strong open relationship with your colleagues with your boss with those who report to you life is more productive it's easier there's less stress uh, difficulties that are inevitable can get dealt with earlier and don't have to rupture the relationship it turns out that when you ask particularly young people what they want most from a job it's not money it's good work relationships. And if you've ever been in an organization which has been poisonous, and I have been, uh, it is poisonous. And so I think this is very, very relevant to anybody who works in organizations.
2: It sounds so obvious when you say it, but I i mean, we often, a lot of us struggle with relationships and connecting with other people. And it sometimes also feels like a skill that I don't even know where to start. Like, how do I get better?
3: <laughs> well. Um, You get better by learning in the process. And I'm going to say something very obvious, but it's honored more in the breach than the practice. If there's a difficulty you have with a colleague or with a friend or a significant other, rather than just blaming them as being the one at fault, could you stop and ask yourself, am I doing anything? Or even better, could you say to the person, hey, Joe, this isn't working out. What's going on? now the trouble with that is if you ask that question they may tell you they may say well david it's you and yeah. then you become defensive and worry about that if you can hold your defensiveness down and say well what am i doing and what the book focuses on is behavior what are my actions that are bothering you it doesn't make me a bad person Remember the phrase, the road to hell is lined with good intentions. Most of us have good intentions. It's our behavior. So to answer your question, how do I learn? I think we learn by doing, and we learn from our mistakes and our successes. If it goes well, we can say, gee, Mary, we really have a good relationship. I'm trying to figure out why I have it with you and not with other people. What are you doing? What am I doing? Well, that's a source of learning as well.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think you would agree that you have to have a certain level of trust in the relationship to be willing to have that kind of engagement.
3: No, I I don't think I okay. think trust trust is the outcome. It's not the precondition. Oh, um,
2: OK. I like that,
3: that. I have to be willing to raise a question and to hear it and to handle it when I'm likely to be blamed because the other person is unlikely to say it in a way that makes it easy for me to hear. So the problem is partially how they do it, but partially my defensive response. And so if we were doing that, Stephanie, and you were to say, well, David, you just want to dominate. Well, we'll get into feedback a little bit later. That's not a very helpful comment. Can I hold my defensiveness down and say, Stephanie, what am I doing that's giving you that image? Mm. And you might say, well, David, you interrupt a lot, which by the way, I do, which we'll find in our, our talk today. And I'll say, oh, gee, my intention is not to dominate, but clearly I'm my interrupting is bothering you. What can we do about it? And then I learn what you and I need for our relationship, because it may turn out with other people, my interrupting doesn't bother them, but it does with you. And if we're to have a relationship, we need to deal with that.
2: Yeah. And so maybe there's some risk in bringing that up and even addressing that issue.
3: Yep. Yep. All of this involves risks. But what we forget is the risks we take by doing nothing. We have a relationship that goes worse. We have a work relationship that's very muddled and probably unproductive. And maybe I have a friendship that I've lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are risks that we forget about.
2: Yeah, that so resonates because I, I work with so many lawyers. We feel like we haven't been trained to be good managers and we don't know how to have these conversations. And it often feels easier to just ignore the problem, right? Yes. We We put our heads down and think, I'm not going to tell this person why they, why this assignment didn't come in the way I needed it to. I'll just fix it myself. Over time though, that develops into, well, now, why does this person even work here? Because I'm just doing all their work and I have all this resentment. And so I'm just going to, you know, it just builds into a huge thing because we're not willing to just, I think you've mentioned in the book, like the idea of a pinch, right? Like if we had just, if we had just addressed it when it came up and it was a small thing, maybe we could have got solved it way earlier.
3: Yes. And it's such a wonderful example because our first reaction is often to say, You've done it wrong. It's the, the assignment didn't come in as quote it should have been.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, uh, how do we know it's the other person? Maybe I was not very clear in giving the assignment. Maybe I was contradictory. Maybe I didn't stop and say, "Joe, uh, is that clear to you? Or do you have any questions? Are there things I could have done?" So, if we can move away from trying to find out who's at fault and getting into the blame game. And get into problem solving? Because I always start with the assumption, unless you prove it otherwise, that you're a well-intentioned person. And if I start with the assumption that you're really a clod, well, I'm going to treat you <laughs> like a clod and you're going to act like a clod.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that. You say in the book, we'll just go there, like you talk about everyone has this idea around feedback and, and negative feedback. And there's no such thing as negative feedback. It's just feedback and maybe if we approach it as the gift that it really is, it changes the whole dynamics of what we're doing.
3: That's right. Is is that we say that there is affirming feedback and there's developmental feedback. That is if I'm doing something that's bothering you and you can say it in a way that I can hear, there's a chance for me to learn and for us to learn. Yeah. So and 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 excuse me Stephanie I interrupted you again. (laughs) I told you I would. (laughs) This is why we stress behavior. Because if we start to label the other person in there as a personality problem, we know personality is hard to change, whatever personality is. But if it's behavior, we have control over our behavior.
2: Yeah. Sounds so easy. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) Yeah, it's really not. And I know you talk about even the students and like how you... They have to practice this and you have to work on it and learn a new way to frame conversations, really.
3: Yes. And and we slip back into old habits. Not frequently, my wife of many years says to me with exasperation, well, you teach this material. Why don't you do it? <laughs> and I've done it wrong. I say, sorry, honey. Let's Let's try that one again. So we rarely do it perfectly. But if we can see it as a learning process and not as something horrendous that I or the other person have done, we can improve.
2: Yeah. And so you said this, but maybe you could give us an example of of how we can provide feedback if it's based on behavior. What does that actually look like in practice?
3: So let me do a little bit of digression, but I think we need this background. What we say is there are three realities, not one. One reality is uh, your intentions. Only you know that. The second reality is your behavior as you try to operationalize your intention. Both of us can see that. The third reality is the impact of your behavior on me. Only I know that. But you need to know that because you're an intentional person, and only I know whether your behavior meets your objectives, your intentions the trouble is most feedback we don't stick with our reality we use the analogy of a tennis net between the first reality and the second reality and as in tennis you can't play in the other person's back court most feedback as we say is over the net we're in the other person's back court so let me use the example you gave of the person who handed in a uh, an assignment that i wasn't happy with that I wasn't happy with is my reality. The tendency is to say, you made a mistake. You are irresponsible. You just don't listen. Well, I'm over the net. I don't know if you've listened or not. And that's why you get defensive and want to attack me back. But if I could stay with the behavior, and the behavior in this case is the assignment was handed in late and not done in ways that I expected, that I expected is also into my third reality. Can I say that? Can I say, hey, Stephanie, I'm not happy with this. That's my reaction. This isn't what I expected. And uh, let's figure out what happened. And you say, well, what do you mean? And I say, well, for one thing, it's three days late. And I thought we had a Date that was uh, what was due, but also I wanted this sort of analysis, and you have done another sort of analysis. So I'm not getting what I expected, and it's frustrating. And you're probably frustrated too. So, 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 what happened? So you see, I'm not labeling you. I'm staying on my side of the net. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with my reaction, and I'm pointing to the behavior. Now. That's a little tricky because we often aren't clear about behavior. So if I say, well, you have the wrong attitude, that's not a behavior. Right. If I say, well, you act in ways that dominate, that's a a pretty fuzzy behavior. I want to know exactly what is the behavior. And that's likely to be something that both of us can name and we can deal with.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as I was reading the book, it occurred to me, it's often not obvious what the behavior is like. I Correct. just know, I just know I'm unhappy about something and yes. and I don't really know why. I mean, to yes. be able to or I can't immediately name it. Maybe I with some more work, I could figure it out. But I think our tendency is just to say, ah, rightly, we just lash out at the other person <laughs> or whatever it is.
3: And, and and again, if we have a relationship, I can say, hey, I'm not happy with this. Give me a minute while I try to figure out why I'm not happy. I mean, again, I don't have to do it perfectly. I can just name what's going on for me. I'm unhappy, and it's not clear in my mind. Let me try to figure it out. Yeah. And and maybe you could help me. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, I loved that you also use this framework for the person who's receiving the information. So if if you had come to me and just said Stephanie, like you didn't focus on the behavior, that as the receiver of the information, I could help you frame that and say, yes. Well, I didn't see it that way. So could you help me understand what did I do that made you feel that way?
3: Yes, very much so.
2: Yeah. So I can't wait. I am having a retreat with my team next week, and we're going to work on this framework as a team because one of our core values is seek candor. Mm -hmm. And we we want that very much as a team because we do believe feedback is a gift.
3: I like the word openness rather than candor. Because candor can often be a cover for attacking somebody. So I'm going to be utmost candor. And I say, well, you're just self-centered. Well, that's an attack. That's not my reaction. That's not behavior. So be careful that candor isn't an excuse for me to attack you.
2: Mm, Yeah, that resonates. I'm loving this conversation. David, we have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back.
1: The Lawyer's Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com Forward slash lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash lawyerist. And from Postali. Finding a marketing partner for your firm can be challenging. Are you getting sound advice? Is your marketing agency always working in your best interest? You shouldn't have to worry about these things. At Postali, they believe marketing companies should adopt the same duty to their clients that is required of the legal profession. For this reason, they require that all team members sign a fiduciary oath to act in good faith and put clients' best interests ahead of their own. They service with care, candor, and loyalty. Postali is a full service digital marketing agency exclusively for lawyers. To learn more about how they're different, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist.
2: All right, Dave, I'm loving, I feel like I'm learning so much and this has been so helpful. But I want to shift gears because I had a couple of other questions that. I personally struggle with. And so I, I bet maybe some of our listeners do too. And one of the, the ideas you talk about in the book was self-disclosure. It's a gift in that it's an opportunity to create connections and increase trust. So I'm just going to come out and say this. When I was the managing partner of a law firm, I had a law firm partner tell me, Stephanie, you're too open with our team. You share too much about your life and you're the boss and you know you need to be more reserved and not be such an open book. And even throughout my career, when I was at a big law firm, there was this idea of like the lawyers could be open with each other, but we couldn't have that same level of openness with the staff, with the non-lawyers, which is a word we hate at lawyers, by the way, it's so stupid. And so when I read this in the book, I was really struck by that because I feel like for years I was conditioned that I needed to build a wall at work around my personal life. And so I'm just kind of curious on your take on that. What, you, what advice, what did, would you have said to young Stephanie when I was struggling with this?
3: Well, first of all, if I had that thought, I would want to collect a little data. Is that only my values or do some of the staff feel that way as well? So I might want to say, um, how do you feel about Stephanie when she talks about her family life? To double check that people are feeling that way, because it's likely that it's coming out of his values, but he's attributing it to other people. So a little humbleness would go a long way. But more than that, the distinction we make around vulnerability is there is vulnerability which lets you know my humanness, Mm. and there is vulnerability that raises questions about my core competence. So If you were to say to the staff, well, I was probably only appointed because I was a woman. I'm not sure I would want to share that. Right. (laughs) I'm sure it also isn't true, but let me use that that as as an example. Yeah, go for it. But there's other sort of things that let you know. Let me give an example myself. I remember one time I was teaching and my son had hurt himself and had a slight concussion that morning. So, my wife took him to the hospital. I started the class by saying, I'm really going to try to be present, but my son hurt himself and I'm a little distracted, but I'm really trying to be present. Uh, For one thing, saying that allowed me to be more present. But more than that, they got to know David as David. Mm -hmm. And uh, that started to build a tie. Let me give an example from business. I was consulting to a Fortune 500 company well-known, but I won't name it, the um, founder had just passed away. His son was now the CEO, was the CEO before, but was now without a father. And I was observing the first staff meeting of the executive committee, and all of them had been at the funeral, and John thanked him for being there. And then he said, I want to tell you what's happening to me. Obviously, I'm missing my father, but I'm also feeling this tremendous weight on my shoulder of carrying on what he had started and that I uh, not only have my own uh, goals of what I want to be but I'm carrying also a legacy and I want you to know that and you could just feel the team coalesce around him
0: Mm.
3: now if he would have started by saying the first agenda item is x it might have been a little more effective but he spent 30 seconds and he told about himself as a person So the advice I'd wanna give you is to have a sense of what is it you're sharing? Are you sharing so that they know you as a person? And what we know about leadership is leaders are more effective when they have high, what's called referent power, as well as expertise. And referent power is that I hold you as, as a model. And I think that we have high referent power when our full humanness is seen and not when we appear as some sort of stoic image of a non-feeling person. Yeah, resonates. And there's there's actually research to show that being vulnerable about being a person increases your power. Being vulnerable about your core competence decreases your power.
2: Mm, That resonates. And it's true, right? Like I know that to be the fact, and that's a great distinction because I do think leaders... We sometimes feel like we have to know everything and be everything and be this thing to our team. And we have to be that steady force through all the things. And that's a heavy weight to bear. But I like that framing about where we can be vulnerable.
3: And also, if we try to appear that way, we're not fooling anybody. They know you're not perfect. Right. And they're going to say, what's going on that she has to pretend that way? Right. Isn't she secure enough about herself?
2: Yeah. And then it leads right into, and you talk about this in the book as well, being emotional at work. And as a female, as a woman uh, in which I am a woman. uh, So, and I'm a very emotional person and I have cried at the office more times than, you know, than I feel like I should have, because we have this idea like women in the business world, you've got to be, we have to have this tough exterior and crying's not allowed. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, Uh, several reactions. One is usually men who say, don't be emotional, are emotional all the time. Don't they say, I'm excited about this new client. I'm really worried about whether we can come through. I'm uh, very concerned that we're going to lose this case. I'm um, delighted about the new hire we have. They're using feelings all the time. Mm. So if they say, leave all feelings out of it, then you become a Mr. Spock you don't become human now let me make a comment about crying and this is where men are also confused my experience is men and women cry under different conditions men tend to cry when they're hurt women tend to cry when they are angry mm. or have very strong feelings so if i have a female student or a female colleague in my office and she's starting to cry What I'll say is, um, shall we continue? Or would you like five minutes to get hold of yourself? And usually the woman will say, no, let's continue. So women crying is more of a problem for men because we think we are hurting the person Mm -hmm. when that may not be the case. So as a woman, you may want to say, hey, I have a tendency to cry, but that doesn't mean I'm hurting. And it doesn't mean I want to stop the conversation. I want to keep going. Right. Now that's got a toughness to it.
2: Yeah. And you're right, because usually when I think about the moments where I've cried, it is because I had such a strong reaction. Like I just like the emotions are very strong and that's what tends to make me cry. And I'm and sometimes I mean, I remember sitting in my law partner's office thinking, why am I crying right now? Like, I'm not, like I don't want to be crying. <laughs> I, I don't want to have this reaction, but whatever we were doing, it was so intense that it's this physical thing that just happens mm-hmm. to your point. I wasn't hurt or even maybe upset. I just felt very strong and passionate about the topic. Uh-huh. Ah,
3: this is really. And, and could you with the brilliance of 2020 hindsight by saying, Hey, I'm not hurt. I'm just passionate about what's going on here.
2: Yeah. Because then you don't have to excuse it. That's what we tend to say is like, oh, we're doing something wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me excuse my behavior instead of embracing it and just acknowledging it, that this is a sign that something else is happening. Yeah. David, I've learned so much. It's just such a short time.
3: Well, this has been fun. I've enjoyed it.
2: Yes, me too. The book is Connect. It's Building Exceptional Relationships with Family, Friends, and Colleagues. There's a lot of business examples in it and personal examples, and I read it to prepare for the show, but honestly, I'm going to read it again, and I know some of my team members have read it as well. They, that's how I found it. I recommend it to everyone because we all have relationships, and we all could get better at them. <laughs> that's pretty simple, huh?
3: And if I can add uh, a recommendation, in the chapters, at the end of each chapter is a Deepen Your Learning section in which we have recommendations of how you can apply it. And that goes back to your question of how do we learn? Because we want to help you learn from your experience.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you.
0: The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Ryan Croft. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.